Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Lucas Bean. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Although we have a very scant audience today, which is interesting. Um, thanks for being thanks for being here. Want to announce a, a new partnership with uh, Mintify over here, real quick, guys. Uh, you know, Mintify is going to be like giving us the news and updates for the space on a regular daily basis. Um, every day we do a space, they're going to be here. I'm going to have the founder Evan on the space here this morning, um, in like I would say 15, 20 minutes, so we can actually chat through Mintify's like business plans for 2023, all of their, their resources for like new developers in the NFT space. I think it's a great, I think it's a great platform myself. I've been working with Evan uh, before he even launched Mintify. He was a great dude, had him in spaces, lots in lot, uh, lots of spaces in 2021 and also in 2022, right around the time he was launching Mintify. So I'm excited to have this part, this partnership and Mintify what's going on, my man. Hey, how's it going? Doing well myself. Thank you. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry about the uh, low audience today. It's a little, uh, it's definitely lighter than normal. Um, you want to kick off, uh, kick off the space with some news real quick? Yeah, sure. You want me to run through this market update now? Heck yeah, man. That. Let's do the market update. I don't have any fancy bells and whistles. I don't have the, uh, the sound no, effects right. and stuff like that. We just want to get right to the news and then get right cool. to like talking to Evan, things like that. So. Great. Let's roll through it real quick. Let's do uh, it. The total, thank you, thank you. Uh, the total twenty-four hour market volume, thirty-three point seven million, up about uh, half a million from yesterday. The highest sale, one hundred and seventieth for Board Ape, eighty-three sixty-one. Top collections for volume: Board Ape Kennel Club coming in at number one, one point one seven k ETH traded, eight point six ETH floor price, up about nine percent. Sewer pass at number two, just over 1K ETH traded, 2.78 ETH floor price, down almost five, a little bit over 5%, I should say. And then Toshi is coming in number three, also just over 1K ETH traded, 0.235 ETH floor price, up uh, almost 47% today. Some noteworthy market updates. Ethereum temporarily becomes deflationary again amid a spike in NFT sales. SushiSwap passes 100% fee relocation to its treasury for the next year. And Arizona lawmakers seek to make crypto a tax-exempt property. I think that's pretty interesting. That's really The market stats. Wow. Right? Oh that God. would be really cool. I don't live in Arizona. I'm in New York, but for them, It might be worth moving. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe it'll turn into a little uh, crypto haven in the U.S. We'll see. Right. Uh, all right, the market stats. Lastly, global crypto market cap over one trill still, ten twenty four billion. Bitcoin dominance forty two point six percent. BTC open interest just under seven billion, six point nine nine billion. Fear and greed at fifty one. With Bitcoin twenty two six forty four down about one point one percent, and Ethereum fifteen forty nine down about four point two percent. And lastly, I will pin this the market update from this morning up and another tweet that we shared just a little bit earlier uh, regarding the announcement of our beta launch for our new trading experience set for Monday of next week. Uh, you can get a little sneak peek of that with some info of what's to come. I will pin that up for you all. It's pretty exciting in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the update. And that sounds interesting, man. I really want to hear from uh, hear from you guys about like what's going on over at Mintify. Until Evan gets here, let's uh, let's pass it around the room. Mariana, how the heck are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. I've actually been moving the last few days. <laughs> I know how that feels. I did that exact same thing last week. It was brutal. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. It's not easy. I still haven't unpacked ninety percent of things, so I, I get it. Well, I give you credits for hosting these spaces and doing all that. So, um, yeah, and I had like a huge, like the Centraland uh, interview on Monday night. So I'm like, I'm like literally about to like head out of my house and move. And I'm just like on my computer doing a quick interview. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what about uh, what's going on in the metaverse these days? Do you got any uh, updates for us real quick or? Sure thing. Um, just let me know a few more brand activations coming in. Um, I think as uh, is Porsche one of them. I don't. You not yet. <laughs> not yet. No. They may. I don't know. They may. Maybe they need to consider. Uh, I know. Last year Acura came in, so maybe we'll see like another car dealership or something like that come in. 
Um, Porsche yeah. makes sense, doesn't it? Like it makes sense to have a metaverse offering now that they have an NFT. It's like that NFT should be like a key to their, their metaverse offering or like anybody that drives a Porsche, I'm pretty sure would be pretty excited to see, you know, a Porsche metaverse offering where they can like go and tour, you know, seat, check out a car before it's, you know, even a year or two before it's out, you know? Well, that's what they kind of did with, um, kind of similar not really but like with kb homes you can literally like make or design like a kitchen or living room so like essentially what if like porsche has the same thing like oh here's like if you click a button you can customize the color here's how it is so it's possible definitely possible um but yeah you know i'll have to like check the events page to see what's going on in terms of what other brands are coming in but yeah how's the, meta- how's the metaverse treat are you guys even think talking about porsche over there like hey you know, they so. did NFTs like this is the perfect time for us to go and like find a partnership with them and bring them into the metaverse. And all it takes is like one big name, you know, automaker to be in the metaverse. And then all of a sudden right. they all want to be in the metaverse because they're like, oh, man, you, Por- Porsche did it. You know, <laughs> Lucas, you're giving me an idea. Maybe I'll try to find their head of marketing and see if they would be LinkedIn, interested. get on yeah. LinkedIn and then get on Twitter. And I can tell you right yeah. now, I'll you can do it. I'm confident you can do it. Lucas, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be onto it. I'm gonna let you know how it goes. Yeah, make <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, keep me posted for sure. I definitely want to find love out. It. I think you but got yeah. this. Yeah, but nothing else on my end. <laughs> Glad to be here. Welcome to Five. Love hearing you guys. Yep, isn't it great? So, yeah. So I have a, a networking event for everybody who's in the space and in, in LA tomorrow. I have an event I'm putting on, and I'm going to be putting on an event every single month in multiple cities. Uh, I've been doing this for years and I'm just like retooling it and respooling it back up. So, uh, you know, 15, I'm looking for it to shoot for like 15 cities in the first six months so that in the United States, there'll be 15 events going off every single month that you all can take part in. If you have the right PO apps and if you actually have the right NFT, because I'm making partnerships right now with NFT projects that want in real life events on a regular basis. So It'll be a great place to go meet your Web3 crushes, your Web3 friends, all these people that you actually made friends with that you haven't put a face to the name yet. This is where it's at, I think. Um, so get your PO apps that you've already got. And also, by the way, um, there's going to be a, I'm going to drop a PO app at least once a week, and I'm not going to tell you which episode I'm going to drop it on. So you're going to get a PO app. Uh, a chance to get a PO app every week, just one, but you're not going to know which episode. So you're gonna have to keep coming back listening. And when you do, I will give you a PO app and that PO app, like one or two of those PO apps will give you access to the events for free. So you'll be able to go, go to them for free while other people are actually paying for them. Cause they're not, it's not all NFT people. They're going to, going to be going, it's going to be startup and tech people, a whole bunch of different crowds where you can actually go and network with other like-minded people, people that are probably web three curious, you know, a lot of web two people are going to be at these events. And I think that's the, the, I think that's where, how we onboard people here. Like all of us as brand ambassadors, we need to go there to these events and say, Hey, this is how you, this is how you come, come into the space. And you know, it's not that scary to come into blockchain. It's not that scary to do the things that we're, you know, we're doing over here and we're having fun doing them. So I think this is the way to do it. I mean, I've definitely bumped into a bunch of people at events and onboarded them. I've onboarded people when I was like sitting at a bar, like talking business with somebody. And then there was like somebody to my right and they see me looking at my phone and I'm like, yeah, you know, NFTs. And I would literally just onboard people right there. And, you know, I would say like two or three people every time I like hung out with, uh, you know, basically went to do business with somebody. It would always convert to like people being interested because there's so many people out there interested in nfts interested in crypto interested in what's going on they just can't admit it to a lot of people in their lives because everybody everybody in their lives are like it's all a scam it's all garbage you know like everybody's like judging them and everybody everybody in this space is worried to some extent of what other people think of them otherwise you'd be doing so many different things in your life so knowing that you're worried about what other people think these people also are worried about what other people think. And they were, you know, the, the thing is, we have to actually get them over the hump of what it, it's like to be in a community like this. What's it like to be in the Web3 space where, you know, we're talking with everybody, communicating on a regular basis, having great discussions about the future of Web3. And, you know, I think these, I think people will come into these spaces, will come into 
you know, take a risk in like getting involved in web three when they already have this web web two job. And even if they don't, let's say they even take, take part in web three part-time. That's one person that's now taking part in web three that will probably invite five, 10 others. Fisera, what's up, my man? Good to see you. Good to see you. GM, GM. GM. Um, I, I wanted to jump in on, on the onboarding elements since you raised the, the topic of Porsche. I, I, Definitely think that they've missed uh, missed a trick because it feels like they've just used it as a bit of a money grab from from your view. Obviously, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if they targeted their existing loyal, dedicated sort of supporters in the community, and when this is an offer for you guys, because we know that you've heard about NFTs. We're getting into the space. Come with us, and we're going to build something special. What they've done is literally just go, NFT fans, just we've got this NFT for you, and you know, come on board and spend lots of money. But if they'd have bought into that loyalty system and developed that and gone, we're going to put this mint out there, and we're going to get about 10.5 mil, um, we're going to probably give a mil away whether it's a car or some merch or whatever it may be, take that and go, with the rest, we're going to build a Web3 team and we're going to put it in the metaverse or whatever else they want to develop. Maybe it's some kind of conference that they hold every year. But I think that they've seriously missed a trick. And it's you know we should be looking at how we onboard people. And the Web2 companies seriously need to take a, a look how they can do it and bring their basically loyal community with them. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with you, but the problem is like, I think, I think there's too many people in this space, like saying what Porsche did wrong than what saying, saying what Porsche did right. What they did right was enter the space, regardless of how they entered the space. They're here. They sent out a, like a signal, a flare to all of us. Hey, we're here. We might not have done it the way you think we should have done it. And by the way, who are we to judge how they, sh how should they come into the space? Right? Like I can't judge them for coming into the space. I've made a thousand mistakes in my life. I'm not going to be like held accountable for like all these like little mistakes that I I'm hard on myself about. And you know, Porsche is the same thing. Like Porsche probably did it internally. And I think it's great that they're just, that they're here. Like it's such a powerful thing. If this was like a smaller brand, no one would care. They'd be like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? But it's Porsche. Everybody has this like affinity to like these fancy cars. And I used to own a Porsche, um, you know, 10 years ago when I was a kid still, because uh, I figured I'd have a fancy car with like when I can actually use it. Not when I'm like, you know, I'm way older, like in my 70s, 60s or 70s. So I think it's a good thing that Porsche is here. And I think there's a lot of like disgruntledness in the space because Porsche didn't come to you to have you help them on board <laughs> into the space. So I've noticed a lot of like disgruntled. I'm not saying you're that way, by the way, uh, Facero. Like I'm, I'm just saying I've heard so many space hosts like talking like Porsche fire, whoever's working with you and come talk to me. And why did you give me all the money that you <laughs> it's like, guys, really? Like it's all you care. All anybody cares about. It feels like is like the money aspect of Porsche entering the space for me. There's a major brand in the space that wasn't in the space a little while ago. I think that's a huge win. And now that they're here, they'll be interested in doing the metaverse play. They'll be interested in doing so many other things, using their NFTs to like activate something they normally wouldn't, you know, be able to activate because they didn't, they didn't have foray into the, the web three space. They didn't have NFTs yet. So I think and Porsche, any brand coming into the space, whether you think they did it right you think they did it wrong. And we all like to talk about like what people did wrong. Don't forget we're humans. We always go for the fail videos, not the, you know, the win videos, humans doing amazing things. The fail videos have 20 X the views on those. And there's a reason why, because we all want to be the, the critic. We're all the critics when we think something went wrong, but how could it be done right? And like, how do we actually proactively go out there, seek out the next Porsche, seek out the next brand that wants to come into the space and be a good shepherd, bringing them into the space. And maybe you're not going to get rich doing it, but at least you were able to onboard a big brand into the space 
rather than talking about a brand that tried to get into the space and everybody hated on them. I think it has a lot to do, straight up, I think it has a lot to do with people didn't get their pockets full of cash by Porsche. And those people feel like that Porsche didn't leverage them because they're gatekeeping in the space. I'm not a gatekeeper. If Porsche wants to come and like talk to me about it, dope. But I'm sure not going to go, oh, Porsche did it wrong. And did, you know, they could have done this and that and this and that. They're here. I'm happy that they're here. I'm happy for any brand or people entering the space. And I hope they just have a great experience and they don't, you know what I mean? Like they don't get like scammed or hacked or whatever that case is. With NFTs, it's really tough, guys. We have to be safe out there. Go ahead, Fisero. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Have, having somebody like Porsche in the space is a big boost all round, and, and I completely agree with that. I suppose what I'm trying to say is more for the fact of they could have brought some of their community with them and gone, this is an NFT that we're going to pull you into because it's going to be a special place that we're going to develop. Maybe they will do magical things beyond this and it's not just the NFT. I totally agree with that. And I I really do hope that they're going to bring that. But I suppose more it's just like there's an opportunity there to onboard people that are on the periphery. Yeah. And there's a signal they fired off. Don't forget, there's a flare. It's basically saying, hey, we're here now. Bring us your best. You know what I mean? Like bring us what you got. We just, we launched our NFTs. We cut the supply, all this stuff. In the bottom right-hand corner, there's this little blue box, this little comment box. Comment down below and like basically tell me whether you think Porsche like made the right moves and they're, you're just happy to be, you know, have them in the space or you think they should have done it differently. And who should they have talked to in the space to actually make this a success? Like tap the right, the little bottom right purple button on your screen and leave a little comment there. Also, can you get, if you guys can retweet the space out, it's pinned to the top. You know what I mean? Give it a couple of, give it a retweet or two and uh, want to get a good audience in here for, you know, the Evan interview. Anyway, so yeah, I think it's good. What do you think the next brands are going to be that enter the space? Does anybody have any ideas of like a brand that's trying to enter the Web3 space in 2023? Anybody? Anybody? Besides Porsche? They came out of nowhere. Did anybody see Porsche coming is the question. Did you see it for Sarah? Did you see it, Mariana? Nope. I mean, I guess maybe it was inevitable because of like Acura, Hyundai. There's a few of them. They're already making NFTs. Uh, there was another one I forgot. Um, but in terms of like other brands, I feel like we're going to see, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be more fashion brands um, with Metaverse Fest coming out. But that's just the Metaverse space, obviously. Um, so definitely more digital fashion brands coming on. Um, You're aware of them? You're definitely sure they're coming on? Or you think they're like, I'm, you're positive? I, I, I can pretty much say it's positive that there'll be new fashion brands coming in. About time, right? Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> more consulting businesses will come in. Um, like, for example, like EYs and th- this metaverse NFT space. Um, there's going to be more coming in that I know of, too. Yeah, I was talking to my friend in Germany that you said EY. They're they're heavily into, they're yep. heavily into the space. Like, I, I know for a okay. fact that they're... They were even in Davos recently, like chatting with people. So there's, there's a, it's a big, there's a big play here for consulting companies to come in and like become experts, hire experts, at least from the space to then help their clients consult into web three. That's, that's where the rubber hits the road. If you actually want to, there's some huge opportunity here. Whoever thinks they're like really good with web three. And I'm talking like, not just talking about it, actually doing stuff in web three, understanding blockchain understanding how to launch NFT projects for real, for real, like start. If you want a full-time job in web three, work for a web two company working on web three. Exactly. Yeah. Because like they're, they designed like this new private, like polygon validator thing where you people can like, or companies can transfer money privately. Right. Um, so that's huge. And then, yeah, I mean, if, if, if EY is in this space, that means it's pretty credible. Like they wouldn't risk their $40 billion brand to be here. Right. Um, NFTs and whatnot. So. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, companies like this, they try not to do things halfway. Um, and you know, blockchain's not going anywhere. It seems like we're just looking for new, new uses for it right now. Just like we, just like we did with other, you know, other systems back in the day, let's just say 2005 to like 2010, when we were looking like to create what we call web two, which is just, you know what I mean? Like 
more editable and, you know, uh, no code systems that are out there and social media. So we call it web two, which we didn't really use the term web two, by the way, we weren't like talking about web two all day long. Like we literally, I heard somebody say maybe web two twice in my 20 year career. And now web three has been used five zillion times. And, uh, don't forget, this is just the blockchain layer, everybody. Like we're, we're talking about the layer that's like the internet already exists. We're just using the blockchain layer as a new way of like monetizing and, and, and building new things for digital asset ownership. So just understand this is not a new internet. It's just a layer. That's the blockchain. What's up, Facero? Web3 makes it sound sexy. That's why we all use it. It's marketing, my man. <laughs> it's marketing. <laughs> It is, it is. But talking about uh, who who I think might be coming into it, uh, and I 100% agree with Mariana. I think I think we're going to see the fashion brands moving in. Um, but while I was sat here pondering the thought of who who it might be, it wouldn't surprise me because uh, obviously you had Reddit that sort of made a little move. Um, but also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Meta sort of makes a move because obviously they want to secure their their place and their holding. And they've got a huge community uh, within sort of Facebook. Wouldn't surprise me if they do an offering that's sort of low end to try and bring those people on board. Uh, and that is that is a massive opportunity for them. It's just just a thought off the top of my head. Then you're talking about? Did you say Meta? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Meta actually already has these relationships, right? They already have these pre-built relationships with everybody that has a big brand on Instagram, has a big brand on Facebook. You know, even though we don't, we here don't really use Facebook. There are a lot of people who actually still use Facebook. It's kind of crazy to me. I logged in the other day, like literally maybe 72 hours ago. I was surprised at like how many people were still using Facebook. I don't think people understand like what, like uh, the stuff that, you know, that how like culture has shifted. It's kind of strange, but yeah, people are still using it. And I can tell you, you're right. There's an opportunity there. If they do things right. Only if they do things right, though, because they've already lost so much trust with their audiences, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm lost. I'm not a big fan of Facebook. The only reason why I would log back in is because I have like these Facebook groups. I, um, there's like tens of thousands of members of these Facebook groups that I have. I just don't know how to convert those members over. And here's Evan. What's up, Evan? So, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think Facebook has a huge opportunity. There's no question about it. I think, you know, all, every company has a huge opportunity currently um, to make some make some of this stuff actually happen. And Facebook's in the perfect position because they already have these like relationships pre-built in. Evan, welcome to the stage. Evan is the founder of Mintify. What's going on, my man? Lucas, hey everyone, glad to be here. Finally, yeah. it's been a, it's been a minute. Right, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. I was gonna say, hey. I've been telling people in the space like we've been talking since 2021. Um, and we've yeah. done a couple of spaces, a bunch of spaces together, actually. Um, you've come up and chatted on all those spaces. I just was like having crazy amounts of hours on spaces. I remember that. And, um, and then I was here for, yep. you know, pre and post launch of Mintify. So it's really cool to see like this all come to like, you know what I mean? Fluition and like 360 degrees. It's like, it's done, man. You're, you're doing it right. Mintify is like crushing it right now. Tell us, tell us your story. Tell us your like your origin story real quick, if you don't mind. I want to know we sure. want we want to know like your background and then like how you got into basically into the NFT space and then like what how did you conceive like Mintify and then what were the next steps you did to like make it a success like make it like a reality? Sure. Do you have a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> if you could con- congeal, to. yeah. If you can congeal that down into thirty seconds, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we got we have at least another thirty minutes, so you're good, man. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, so nice to be here. Um, Evan, 31, based in New York, uh, Greek originally, born and raised. So I started my journey when I was uh, when I was about 16 years old, self-taught developer and designer. Uh, so I built a couple of products and I exited uh, pretty pretty early, like by the age of 18, 18 and a half. Then I served in the Navy for about a year uh, and I bootstrapped a media agency for a couple of years. And then for the past 10 years or so, I've been scaling my Web2 companies that, uh, my Web2 company that I stepped down from last summer, uh, Gadgetflow, and uh, bootstrapped it to an eight-figure valuation. We work with uh, uh, over over 12,000 companies at this point. 
um, generating more than 30 million uh, visits per month, uh, primarily from the States and Europe. So that was that was pretty cool. And then I jumped into uh, the crypto space in 2015, started trading, uh, started writing about it on Forbes Inc. and Hafton Post for the for the last like few years. And then my journey with NFTs started, I would say, around uh, mid 2021. Soon as we moved with my wife to New York City for good, um, you know, I had in my bookmarks like you know the Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, so I knew that it was minting, and I kind of like skipped it. You know, I didn't have the time because we're moving at the same time. Good at that sounds point. From, sounds familiar, brother. That was me too. I know, <laughs> I know. And um, yeah, so long story short, I started trading, minted Conex Proof. And so on. And I started using like all the tooling that was available at that time. Um, but that wasn't enough for me. So kind of felt like at the right time, you know, the right place with the right resources and experience to actually build something. So I took the CTO from my Web2 company that we've been working together for like over 10 years, super talented engineer. Um, and we assembled a small team of like four or five people at that time. That's January 2022. And we started working on our MVP that we rolled out in March last year. Um, and then we kind of like, we've, we spent the majority of 2022, I'd say, finalizing our infrastructure. Um, I'd be happy to expand on that in a second. But we went out and raised $1.6 million from some crypto native and NFT native funds. Um, and now we're finally ready to actually launch a completely new trading experience around NFTs uh, as soon as next Monday. That's huge. So who are your competitors in the space that you see right now? Yeah, so that's a great question. So uh, before I answer that, I just want to say that, you know, like I'm quite familiar with like crypto trading and, you know, the BitMixes of the world and all the exchanges, right? Um, like most people before, like I would say the majority before they, before you guys jumped into NFTs, you've most likely like had some exposure to crypto trading, right? Um, so what we, what it became obvious to like, to me and the whole team as we were building our infrastructure was that, you know, like we're at this point with a few tens of thousands of traders and a few thousand pro traders at this point. Um, so we need to actually build something that's multi-chain and future proof in, in some ways. Right. Um, and by future, future proof, I mean, how do you trade like exotic asset classes? How are we going to trade music NFTs or virtual real estate, right? We can't just expect to go in a marketplace and just buy a token, sell a token, right? Um, so the, the the we've created basically an entirely new futuristic, let's say, modular terminal that that's like fully adaptive based on the asset class asset class that you're trading, as as well as modular, and so, and that gives us it kind of like opened the door to the whole new world for us. Um, so a couple of examples would be some of the ideas that we're working on is an entirely new SDK that allows third-party brands to build on top of our terminal. So you can basically come in, use our framework and create your own either private, public or branded module. So a couple of examples would be having Twitter directly within the terminal or having your alpha group calls directly to the terminal and even token gate those. So you don't have to make a Discord announcement anymore. You can actually have your entire alpha community trade within Mintify, access calls, have shared watch lists, have shared basically, uh, you know, uh, trade histories and so on. So it kind of like, it, it kind of like brings trading into a whole new level in so many ways, if you think about it, right? It does. It's interesting, my man. What What tools did you guys like, again, who are your... Who, let's go back to your competitors. <laughs> Who are your yeah, competitors yeah. in the space? Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's why I said like whether you have two hours. Um, no, so yeah, so I think that what we've created and the way we've created it, it's kind of like on a different level than compared to the products that exist uh, out there. Um, some of our high level competitors, I would say right now, are Blur. Um, they they had an they actually influenced like the language that we've used to roll out the new trading experience which is based on uh, Next, um, because of, you know, as soon as Blur was out, everyone was like, this is the fastest trading experience. So everyone tried to, you know, kind of like up their game. Uh, and now we're excited that we're as fast, if not faster than Blur with a new trading terminal, uh, both on the trade execution time as well as the UX UI uh, and navigating between like collections and so on. So that's exciting. Um, aside of Blair, I think that they're the only big guys in the market that, are building something for the years to come 
and they're they're trying basically to uh, capitalize on today's basically momentum in the space and on what's available out there for pro traders. So I think that they're doing a great job. But on a personal level, I'm all about competition because that's what pushes innovation at the end of the day. It does. So Blur is your biggest competitor. Um, but what about all your, you, don't you have like NFT development tools and things like that? Like who do you see as your competitor in that space? Because there's a lot of, you know, no, there's a lot of no code tools being dropped right now. Yeah. So we, we started, so we basically creator tools are not a priority for us right now. Um, but two things on that. So our number one priority for the entire last year was our infrastructure. And we kind of nailed that. We have the most complete API right now and database in terms of data. We're the only provider right now. If you want to build something around web three, we're the only provider that offers like down to five minute floor data points for all ETH based collections. Um, the second best competitor of ours offers like daily data for like not even all the ETH-based collections, right? Um, and we're talking about some of the biggest GANs in the market, right? So that's exciting. Um, what became obvious was that for us, in order to be like part of the market um, and to create tools that people use, we shouldn't prioritize like creator tools just yet. Even though we have the technology, it's really easy for us to create like smaller products and package them nicely and you know, basically release them out there. But the, our priority is going to be more about pro trading experiences and bringing like innovative features around pro trading. And then on the, on the, on the other hand, we're going to be building, we're going to be releasing two products by March that are around challenges and community management using on-chain data. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh -huh. So, you know, we're, we're trying to capitalize in a good way on, you know, what's, what's the current trend right now in the market and what's the, what's, what are some of the tools that are missing, let's just say, right? So we've had multiple interviews, some of the biggest communities out there, and it became obvious that there are gaps in the space. So we're not going to try to compete on how to launch a collection yet because, like you said, there's like already so many options out there, right? And there isn't a one-fits-all option. So we're not ready for to compete with, you know, on that front with other tools. Uh, but when it comes down to trading or infrastructure, um, that's a different story. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's an interesting take for sure. I um been thinking about the NFT space and like how how difficult it is to find a developer, how difficult it is to find like all the pieces to build an NFT project. And then you guys have these like amazing tools to actually empower these folks to, you know, actually launch a project and not have to worry about some dev that's not doxed that's going to like come in and like swipe all their coin or, you know, other crypto and any and after the project or something like that, that might happen. And I, I always, I always think of like, what are the best like platforms out there? And I, you know, Mintify always comes to the top of mind of like yeah. what's going on. So. Appreciate that. No, 100%. I totally agree. And I think that, um, you know, like it's hard to build in web three because there's no precedent. There's no, like, it's kind of like uncharted territory. If you think about it, like when, like most of the part that we've built on an infrastructure level, you know, you can just Google your way out of a solution. You can just find a solution for for a major issue that you're you're facing. You got to actually resolve this yourself with your team. Uh, so that's why it's hard to find someone that can call themselves, you know, an expert, let's just say in Web three or in blockchain um, or this and that. But on the other hand, you know, what what turned out to be very useful. It was like our experience building like enterprise grade infrastructures uh, prior to Mintify. Um, you do need experience like on the security aspect on how you're going to scale the server, for instance, that can sustain tens of thousands of people. Um, and when it comes down to trading, it's a totally different level, right? Uh, of like security, scalability, uh, and so on. Uh, so I think that the fact that we already had like experience prior to Mintify with most of these things. Uh, that has helped a lot deliver like way faster than most groups in the space. Um, and in a way that's like, you know, not, not overhyping things, you know, right. Like for instance, with, <laughs> with Mintify, like we, we thought about, you know, releasing like our one year or two year roadmap. We've done that initially. Right. Um, but then we saw everyone in the space and some of our competitors not, not renouncing anything at all. Um, because for numerous reasons, because they wanted to kept it like kind of like agile or flexible. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's hard to compete these days, uh, when you're building a, a company and a product that's going to be around for like the years to come, it's hard to compete like around the hype versus some of the collections that are kind of like 
promising the moon and the stars, they end up, you know, uh, basically <laughs> under-delivering by 90%, unfortunately, right? But people are still chasing hype, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, they are. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah. so what are you guys, so right now in, in 2023, what are you guys actually like, what's your 100% like focus on right now? So we, we started rolling out some major partnerships and we're going to be making a lot of announcements in the coming days. Uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about is basically the pro trading ecosystem that we're building. We haven't shared much information around that. Like I said, I want to, I want to make sure that we have a flexible schedule and that we keep delivering and everyone's aware just a few days before something happens, not months or years ahead of that. Um, I think that's the proper way to do it <laughs> rather than just build, building artificial hype. Um, but our number one focus right now for the next couple of months is obviously getting the terminal out there, releasing hundreds of modules and showing to the world what some of the biggest like third-party brands that we're going to work with uh, can build for the terminal. So that's going to kind of like unlock this whole ecosystem uh, and commute. Like we're going to make trading more social. We're going to make like, you know, trading more fun. And as would, you, people, would you say you're going to make trading uh, great again? <laughs> no, uh, no, <laughs> no, Lucas. Uh, no, but I think that, you know, there are a lot of things missing and, you know, everyone's having fun in the Web3 space around like, different communities and discords with challenges with like games and this and that. But trading, even though you can make a lot of money in Web3 um, in so many different ways, it's just not fun at the current state of the market. Like we're all using beta after beta, whether that's called ABC, you know, the product that you're using or trading on. Um, so the experience is not there yet. So with the new trading experience that we're launching on Monday, um, I think that we're, we're going to try to change that basically and make trading way more social. Uh, that, that's all I can say for now, at least. Man, you guys are top secret. You guys really keep the lid on over there at uh, Mintify, huh? Doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> where did you, so you said you moved to uh, New York City. Did you move from like Greece to New York City? Where, where were you before? Yeah, um, Greece actually. I was in and out of the States for the majority of like, between like 2011 and uh, 2020. Um, so I was staying like six months in Greece, six months in the States because uh, I was running my Web2 business. So, you know, uh, had to be the, uh, had to be here. We also had a team here as well. Um, I also have some family here in New York. So we kind of decided to move for good uh, right before COVID with my wife. And we finally moved in uh, summer 2021. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Most people moved out of New York that I knew during the pandemic. They didn't like move into New York. You, I, I mean, like, I don't know anybody that actually moved to New York like well, during or after like, they're like, get me out of here. Cause I'm working from home and New York city is not the work from home capital of the world. Well, I guess it's like investing, right? When everyone is like fearful, be greedy and, and, and vice versa. Right. It's true. Yep. That's true. Well, so do you want to explain, what did you guys, what did you do in your last, like your web two business? I know what it is, but what are the, what, are, what would you want to tell the audience? Like, what was your stuff that you used to do? Like your right before Mintify, what were you working on? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I was the founder and CEO of Gadgetflow. Uh, it's a product discovery platform that also has, uh, an agency arm. So what we've done was that we were basically something between like an e-commerce store and a, and a tech publication. So it's a great way for you to actually, if you're into consumer electronics, to stay up, uh, you know, up to, up to date with like the latest releases, um, you know, like the latest, for instance, uh, Sony TVs or Samsung TVs or the latest robots by Samsung and so on. Um, but it's not just high end. It's also like we've helped thousands of creators from Kickstarter and Indiegogo over the years uh, get the word out, uh, release their products in front of like a community in the millions. Um, and we also build features on top of the platform. So it's a kind of like a tech platform. Only if you're into tech, you're going to like it. Um, we've released features that says you can create your custom feeds. So if you're into bike accessories, um, we had like a curation team of like 15 people that discovered like high quality, not replicas, you know, not AliExpress kind of products, but high quality biking accessories. So you can create a feed right now and discover like some, some really, really, really cool accessories around the categories that you're interested in. You can have a private or public wish list. So you can create like a public birthday wish list, for example. Um, we had like, of course, an exclusive discount section. 
Um, we had an app, for instance, where one of the first apps on the iOS store, um, on the Apple store, basically when uh, they announced AR kit. So we were supporting like products in augmented reality. So it was basically Gadgetflow, the IKEA app, and the House app. I think that was back in 2016 or 17. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like we've worked with Fortune 500 brands, we've worked with crowdfunding campaigns. We're just a small team of 25 people. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. No one really thinks of small teams of 25 people. That's a that's a pretty that's a good sized team of. Of people there and you was it like the product hunt for you know real irl like like goods is that what it basically did yeah kind of we actually launched before product hunt oh uh, nice <laughs> yeah 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 so imagine that this could yeah you could see it as a product well there was no voting and stuff but you could you could say that it was kind of similar cool yeah i was gonna say it seemed like at least it seemed like to me it was a uh sounded like from your description a product hunt for like you know, yeah, CP- consumer electronics. Yeah, CPG stuff, exactly. Yeah, consumer electronics and other stuff. That's that's cool. So did it work on like an affiliate uh, model? Were you guys getting like affiliate fees for like, you know what I mean? Like demoing your product on there? And is that how you guys made like revenue or was it more like partnerships and sponsorships or? No, so it was, uh, we, we were never interested in um, actually turning into an affiliate model because it wasn't scalable. And then you were kind of sacrificing the quality over revenue in so many ways. Uh, so we never actually transitioned to an affiliate model throughout these last 10 years. Uh, instead, we were charging brands uh, an upfront fee. And then that's why we also had like an agency arm, given like all the, the, all the, data, all the data that we had from like all the years. Uh, we had one of the most valuable, let's say, databases of like, um, you know, consumers. But at the same time, like we could run like marketing campaigns in the millions of dollars, um, basically for for creators as well as companies that wanted to 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 launch like their Shopify store and run ads to like uh, a community for instance that interested in XYZ like back accessories like I said earlier right so you could actually find consumers and that are using a product and they're familiar with the brand and the brand basically now recommends your Shopify store directly through through Gadgetflow. so there's like this massive cycle that we've created that worked pretty pretty well for these last 10 years uh, and also helped a lot of creators with crowdfunding campaigns. Yeah, I like that part for sure. Crowdfunding is always tough. Before the yep. NFT, especially before the NFT craze, crowdfunding on Indiegogo when it first launched, it was a little bit easier. Um, and then when or, or you know any of the crowdfunding platforms, and then as soon yeah. as you, you know, it was like a year after it launched, like it was in, like impossible to really raise funds without like a huge social media presence or, or some kind of like built in audience that would actually help you get, take your product to fruition. Um, yep. And you know, that sounds great. Your gadget flow, first off the name is dope. And uh, obviously it had a dope 25 member, not small team. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, that's negotiable. We're against like, you know, the Virgin and Gadget and Gizmodo that at some point they had teams in the hundreds. That's why we kept saying like, since our early days that we're just a small team. Um, but yeah, okay, I get your point. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, I'd rather be the small team, um, the underdog in that story than one of those bigger ones that are like funded really, really well, because you guys can make changes right. You guys could actually do things without getting like approvals and, you know, jumping I through know. All these hoops. I yep. know. Yeah. I know for sure too. Dude. I've, I've worked at these companies, not those companies, but like other companies where you have to like jump through hoops and like something that would take you 24 hours to do takes you six months to do because there's just like so many approvals and so many lunches to go to, to like have people yep. do their jobs. They're paid for to paid to do. It's pretty awesome. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> so 2023 is looking, you're not really looking at the creator tools as much. You're looking more at, um, you know, creating like a, a platform where you can like buy, sell and trade like a kind of like a, it sounds like you're, you created a marketplace that you're competing against blur with. Yeah. Um, uh, I can neither confirm or deny. <laughs> well, uh, but if you yeah, said blur no, is your competitor. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I said that. Right. But so technically 2023 is going to be all about creating like the first pro trading, you know, ecosystem around NFTs. Um, right. we just feel like there's so many products out there, but we found a way to kind of like uh, reverse engineer what's what's been working for like the top collections in the space that turned out to be uh, to be building like IP as well as incredible products. 
uh, without naming names. Um, so we're going to be kind of, you know, pursuing that uh, vision and trying to create like the first and the biggest like pro-trading uh, ecosystem that's going to be consisted of multiple products, of course, um, as well as, well, I can't talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I almost got you there, man. I was like, this is great. We could drop some yeah, alpha in so this space. What I can say is that we, we launched a nice collection, beautiful art um, by an incredible super based artist, uh, Nostalgic Scarlet. So we've launched like a small PFP collection for free in December that acts as the key to the ecosystem, even though most people have no idea what it does yet and they just appreciate the art. Um, we're going to be making announcements in February, which is going to be the beginning of the whole ecosystem play. Uh, but the vision here is not just to do a collection after a collection after a collection, which is the norm in the space, but rather... Um, you know, do some innovative things and be like uh, the first ones in the space, let's just say, that do it, you know, that way. Um, so more on that around February. And I think that a combination of like, you know, a new loyalty slash reward-based system that can that helps you scale your brand on the long run, not necessarily with a token airdrop that's, you know, that's hyped up for for a month or a quarter, and then it kind of like dies off. We've seen that with Luxray. We've seen that with so many marketplaces and exchanges and L1s and L2s down the, like in the previous years, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're interested in creating kind of like our own approach that's kind of like sustainable, um, offers like sustainable growth. And we kind of like create the first NFT pro trading ecosystem. Um, so I love it, man. I love what you guys are, are talking about. I actually love you as a founder, man. There's not many people in the space that have been like, super cordial and kind to everybody in the space, but you're one of them, man. You don't take, your, you don't take yourself like too seriously. You're super approachable. If anybody uh, hasn't followed Evan yet, definitely throw him a follow. He's definitely one of the best in the space. Total genuine dude. Doesn't get too high on his horse to like, you know what I mean? Speak with anybody. I love that about him. He, uh, he's going to be, I think he's a, that that's what makes him a good CEO as far as I'm concerned. So Mad respect in that that manner for sure. Um, Appreciate that. I, yeah, of course. So, what do you plan? What do you see uh, happening when you're competing with Blur in 2023 um, with your marketplace? Um, and then, like, how do you see? It, do you see a chance of like taking market share back away from Blur? And also, like, how do you compete with OpenSea as well? Because I mean, we already know OpenSea is the dominant player. Blur's second, and then like looks rare as like a distant third. Um, what do you, how do you see you guys, how do you see you guys fitting into it? Yeah. So first of all, to clarify, um, we're, we're, you know, we, we don't have a marketplace right now. I can neither confirm or deny whether we're going to have a marketplace <laughs> at some point. Um, uh, you know, I just want to be honest, you know, like I don't want anyone point and figure and say, Oh, Hey, you know, Evan said this. No, um, I, I, I put words in your mouth for sure. Yeah, so I guess on the <laughs> aggregation side, um, you know, like right now, there's there's all these different aggregators out there. The way we see it, how do you compete versus X or Z or OpenSea? Kind of rhymed. Um, it did so, rhyme. Good job. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> um, I think that right now, we actually had an entire space dedicated to this thesis back in June, if you remember, yep. the two of us. Yeah. So it's all about the experience layer, right? Like you got the L1s, you got the L2s competing for so many different things. But when it comes down to like NFTs, it's all about the experience layer. And that's exactly how we raised our pre-seed round in October. And that's exactly how we're going to be pretty much like pursuing like additional rounds perhaps in the future. Um, but the idea here is that Everyone has access to blockchain data. Everyone has access to public ledgers and order books. So you're really competing on the experience. And I feel like we have an incredible experience building, not just Gadgetflow, but other products as well, with most of the executives from Mintify in the past, thriving, in other words, in Web2, and taking all that experience, knowledge, and product development, let's just say background, and bringing it into Web3, in which we got to sit down and start drawing literally on a blank canvas how are you going to trade music NFTs two years from now? How are you going to trade, for instance, physical items two years from now? How does this dashboard is going to look like at the end of the day? So we're now in the process of like, we finalized our infrastructure, which is, took us technically a year. We finalized the terminal, the trading, the V1 of the terminal. And as soon as everyone gets access to it, to it next week and kind of like gets to this whole um, idea of like the future trade, the future of trading in a sense, right? And have the ability to change the modules, 
have the ability to resize its module, reposition its module, and trade any way they want without any way they want without the platform itself dictating or letting the or telling them that hey, you should have the floor price on the top left, or that or you should trade with the momentum chart or the floor chart. Like we're making everything available that every trader has ever dreamed of, from trading view charts to like real-time floor prices from all marketplaces, real-time volume. And here's the catch. If we were to just do the, the front-end part, the fancy part, in other words, right, that plan would have never worked, right? What we're doing right now is basically creating the front-end after perfecting the back-end, and the back-end meaning like our infrastructure, because we couldn't, wouldn't be able to call it the pro-trading infrastructure uh, or a pro-trading terminal if our data wasn't like as accurate as it can be. Right. Right. Or if our floor prices had like a 10 second delay, that's like a non pro trader experience. So we've done some tests this past week um, with our alpha and we actually have the fastest floor price updates, even faster than OpenSea themselves in some cases. Right. And how are you doing it? But how are you doing that? Well, let me tell you. No, I'm not going to tell as you. As a proprietary? <laughs> that's what I'm asking. <laughs> No, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of like good product development and like, you know, I guess new technologies. Like our front end is based on Next JS. I'm not going to lie about that. So it's like the fastest and uh, the latest, most updated, let's say, framework based on Vue. Um, so that helps a lot. But on the back end, like it's what I was talking about. We, imagine that we spent an entire year uh, creating like an infrastructure that um, it's already like multi-chain ready. It's agile. It's ready for quants. It's ready for like API use and SDK use. So anyone who wants to compete, let's say on that front, well, if you're going to ask me, is it going to take a year for someone to keep up? Like, I don't know. Perhaps like the more, obviously we evolve our infrastructure, the harder it's going to be to compete with um, that kind of like an infrastructure. But it doesn't mean that you can't compete on the experience layer, right? So that's where I personally have my eyes on. Like if you can create an environment in which pro traders are, you know, there's a social component. So you can connect with your community or friends or colleagues directly through an environment. You can bring third parties uh, into this framework. So you can have, for example, your Twitter feed or your Discord chat directly through the terminal, right? Or you can create your own, your own basically module using our SDK without even having like, you know, to code anything. Using a dragon, like, I don't know if you use Zapier, right? Of course. Or, I live right. with, I live, eat, breathe Zapier. I, know. I love it. Yep. I, I think most, you know, tech savvy entrepreneurs these days, right? It's my favorite tool as well. So imagine that you'll be able to create a component as easy as you can create a Zap. So you want to see, for example, the top 10 collections on Flowchain based on floor prices. Like, imagine that you'll be able to have like a private module like that. You want to share that module with a friend of yours? You can actually create a link and they can actually use it on their terminal directly. You want to create a module for your token-gated community so only someone from your community that has your token can see that module. Could be a shared watch list, could be like community updates, could be XYZ. Imagine that you'll be able to do that with just a few clicks without even coding. That's the SDK, basically. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting because a lot of people think about the Web3 space as oh, there's, there's like the floors of the world and the IC tools of the world and this and that. And a lot of traders actually can imagine how does the future of trading looks like? How are you going to trade like all these different asset classes? And that's what, it, what's, what has been in my mind since like late 2021. And now it's finally taking shape and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you think without your previous experience, do you think you could have launched something in the NFT space um, and been successful at it? Or do you think you needed the people that were in your corner and you, you, you knew exactly who to reach out to for funding and all that stuff? Do you think that all had to do with your Web2 experience? It, it helped a lot, but definitely not to the point in which I felt comfortable. Uh, and I like being not in a comfortable position because that's when you truly push the limits and that's when you truly innovate, right? Uh, and I, and I'm so thankful that I kind of like figured that out when I was like 17, 18 years old, so super early in my, like, uh, in my life. And that has helped me basically push the boundaries with my other companies, with Gadget Flow, um, with everything that I've done, basically, it's kind of like, I've always been in this uncomfortable position. And this is why I kind of like 
thrived in, in most of the things that I've done in my life so far, right? Um, so I think that no one feels comfortable in Web3, no matter if they're, even if they're like Gary Vaynerchuk themselves, right? Because it's something new and it's something that no one has ever, ever done before. And you can't just say, oh, let's take the best practices from Web2 because you and I have been around in the early days, let's say, of Web2, even though, even as a youngsters, right? Um, so I don't think that Web3 is anything like Web1 or Web2. It's kind of like its own thing. So given that you have some, let's say, financial background, of course that helps. Um, if you have some development background, absolutely it helps, but not to a point in which you're going to find it easy to actually build for Web3 because the fundamentals are not, um, are not the same. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, think, I think, though, the skills you have to, like, in order to like talk to people, uh, raise, raise funds, you know, basically sell them, you know, give them your minimum viable product and be able to pitch the right investors. And I think you had, I mean, you had to have some connections in the web two space, right. To be successful in the web three space, you had to pitch like some of these people or like reach out to your connections to make no, sure. Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I had obviously VC connections in web two, but they, I, I haven't like, I haven't pitched a single one of them because I didn't want to have like a web two VC in a, in a web three native brand that we're building. Uh, Cause there are different priorities. There are different things when it comes down to the, the understanding of this whole space. Uh, and then as you grow, once you reach like a hundred million, 500 million valuation, things become like way more complicated with your investors. If they're not familiar with the space you're in. Right. Yeah. Which ain't means that, that they're the primarily truth. in it. <laughs> Yeah, right? So, which means that they're primarily in it, obviously, for profits. But nothing wrong with that. It's just that they can help you to get to, like, the next level and the next level. So, when we raised our pre-seed round in October, we started this process about two and a half, three months, right after right after 3AC collapsed. Great timing. Um, but I think that um, our goal with, with Dan, when while we're doing, like, a roadshow, was to actually get to like the best possible like Web3 native and crypto native or in front of them basically um, angels and, and venture capital firms. And that's what we've done. And no regrets on that because they're, they've been helping us as soon as we close the round. Like I've never seen that kind of like help before in the Web2 space. Um, it's unlike everything, anything you've seen before. Like I know a lot of people are like against VC money in Web3, but in reality, um, I think that most companies, and that's not financial advisor, but most, most companies uh, would do better if they had like the right backers and the right investors behind them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with venture capital entering the space. I think it's just, uh, I mean, it kind of proves that we, you know, proves the thesis that this space is actually happening, right? So yep. I actually think it's a good thing. I'm a fan of venture capital as long as you get the right person on the, you know, from exactly what you said who have the right connections, who could actually help you, guide you, you know, from the, their experience, you know, years of experience that you possibly don't have, or from other companies that have already, they've already worked with. They were like, look, I learned, we learned from this, 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 and this company that's in the Web3 space. And here are some mistakes they made, you know, don't make the same mistakes. And here are some things yep. they did right. Do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So without that, I think it's, I think it's critical to actually have a good, uh, like you said, partner, um, especially on the venture capital side where they actually are, you know, they're not just sitting, sitting on their hands and saying, okay, I gave you the money. Now go, go be, now go be successful. Um, I think that's a good way of looking at it. So I think venture capital is a good thing in this space. I see turf. I see turf.net came up turf.net. You got a question? Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated by everything. Can you guys hear me? You yeah, hear? we can hear you. Yep. <laughs> Hey, yeah. I, hey man, how's it going? I, well, first question is not really a question, but I live in New York city as well. So I'd love to get coffee with you sometime. <laughs> if you've Anytime. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I just sent you a follow. Um, just followed yeah. you. Yeah. I, um, I come at this from, um, like I'm an artist and founder obviously with turf. And so like, you know, we come at this from like, um, like a, this is more of a broad question for you, I think, because, you know, we come at this from like the gaming side of it. And so we've always considered like staking and things like that. I'm curious to ask, you know, like for us, staking has always been staking being the the mechanism to create the economies that it looks like you're trying to, you know, sell. So like, I'm curious, like, what are examples in the space that you think are like hugely successful? Because like back in the day, like a year ago, you know, when I experienced economies, um, you know, and staking, we had things like, um, what was it? It was uh, Wizards and Dragons was like the big pump. And so we had all these projects that like, 
use staking as this um, mechanism for promising, you know, future utility. And then obviously those things led to collapses. So I'm curious, like what you think like the future is for these staking economies or like yeah. even economies like game-based economies that are generating, um, you know, tokens and things. Anyway. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically the way I see it, first of all, I'm a, I'm a gamer myself, right? I grew up with Call of Duty, World of Warcraft. So I'd love to check out your game uh, right after this phase, uh, what you guys are building as well. So I think that the way, like, I'm going to tell you, first of all, what we're doing um, for situations like these and how we, we foresee basically the next few months, and the next few years. And then um, some, some of my thinking, I guess, around like staking and like gaming economies. Um, so on the Mintify side, like one obvious example is that you're going to have like a, a gaming, for instance, preset that's going to be like adjusted, um, adjusting basically your whole terminal when you're trading gaming assets. So you can focus on, for example, token previews. So you can interact with a 3D token in ways that you cannot do that right now on OpenSea or in ways that you cannot do that on any platform, as a matter of fact. Um, on the staking side, imagine that we're going to be using like third-party APIs. We're starting with Moonbirds. So as you may well know, Moonbirds basically have an API and they also have their staking program. So what we're doing, just to show the world what's possible once we announce our SDK later in February, um, is that we're connecting and we're creating a module. So every time you're trying to trade uh, through any of the marketplaces, uh, a Moonbird, or if you're trying to bid, for example, or to get more information about a token that's staked, we'll be able to show you their staking status directly through Mintify, as well as which rewards they've claimed and what's their staking status in terms of like days, months, years, and so on which is something that's only available on the Proof website right now, right? So imagine that through the SDK, if you were to implement such technology, you'll be able within just a couple hours um, of dev time to integrate this on our trading terminal. So when people are trading your assets, they have full visibility on their staking status, their staking history, rewards that they have claimed, and so on. Um, so that's that. Then on the, on the whole like question around staking, I think that staking is great, but at the end of the day, I feel like nine out of 10 collections are doing it just for the sake of saying that we have staking for future utility, but they don't pay attention to like at least like a 12 to 24 month roadmap. So everyone gets excited at the beginning because they're like, great, I just staked my potatoes, for example, right? <laughs> or this or that, which is a fantastic, let's just say, mechanism for communities to engage with their, um, with their members. Uh, and to reward them for their loyalty. But what they don't think about is that if the rewards are not good enough or well thought of, um, this is going to kind of like, you know, destroy your reputation. And it's going to, it's going to, you're going to have a hard time basically having to justify every time. Oh, why is this reward like this? Or why you've decided this versus that? So I think that staking is a great method for any community to grow and, you know, engage with their community, keep rewarding their users. But at the end of the day, you got to think about this whole approach in a way um, that, hey, someone actually starts, you know, is like one of your members today and they're going to stick with you for like at least the next couple of years. Are they going to be happy with a whole roadmap? Even if you haven't announced it, it's more about you planning for it because the majority of things that you're going to be doing when you're staking uh, and NFT, you know, they, they're like, they should be like, in, they'll require like months in development, right? So. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's fascinating that you say that because it, it sounds to me like, like you have a really good solution. I Like, again, like my perspective as a creator, it's like, um, you know, I realize that everybody in the space, uh, fans of anything have like massive ADHD and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just that there's so many things happening at breakneck speed all over the place. And, you know, like being able to see, um, some kind of token or some, you know, marker of value and then attaching that marker of value to say a feed that shows like, um, what, th what things are being promised. Like you were mentioning that, like you, with the proof example that like, uh, or the Moonbirds example, like being able to see like, what is the utility attached to this? And then are they delivering upon that? Like, seems like a really great way to build in like consumer, um, confidence into a token itself, um, which, I think it's fascinating. I mean, it, it seems to me like a lot of this, uh, uh, like the, a lot of the economy, um, like whether it's Ethereum or any sort of altcoin is based a lot on, you know, the news, obviously. 
um, and the things that people are delivering upon. So I like to just see pe more people delivering stuff in general. So um, this <laughs> yep. is a great feature though. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Thanks for letting me ask my question. Yeah, of course. Of course. Glad, to, glad yeah. to have you, my man. Does anybody have any more questions for Evan? Um, because uh, I mean, he's definitely said a lot. You know, he's going to have a marketplace competing against, you know, Blur and OpenSea. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> Dude, it's great to have you today. I We've gone over on the show like by 12 minutes. Um, it's not going to be the end of the world, but, you know, it is what it is. And um, I just want to say thanks for everybody joining the space today. You guys rock. Community couldn't do it without you. Uh, stay tuned for more events and things that we're, we'll be doing in the future. I can't wait to work with you guys on this stuff. Um, I think the future of Web3 is in real life events. And uh, I'm building a community of 100, 100 to 150,000 people in this space within 2023. At least that's my goal. Let's shoot for it together. Let's build a community together. And uh, it won't be based on NFTs. Um, it will be based on maybe a free mint of NFTs, but it will never be I'm not going to be charging for NFTs like when we do with this, uh, this community mint NFT thing that we plan on doing. So I'm looking forward to it. Evan, pleasure to have you. Mintify, always great to have you as well. Turf, thanks for coming up. Facero, sorry, man, I always say that name wrong. Love all you guys. And like I said, see you guys tomorrow. At the same time. Thanks for being at the Daily Booze. See you tomorrow morning, everybody. GM.